I'd like to welcome you to this Ask the Expert webinar brought to you by Align Technology. It is my pleasure to hand the floor to your host for today, Christina Del Villar. Christina, you now have the floor. Thank you very much, Shirlene. This is Christina Del Villar. Thank you, doctors and, and team members, for joining the call today with Dr. Ken Pyle. His commitment to patients' overall health is the primary focus of his practice in Orlando, Florida, where he's a, a top provider. He's committed to staying abreast of the most current dental technology and, and information, and he provides the utmost in dental care to his patients. He's a graduate of Kent State University and earned his dental degree from Ohio State University. And it's with my pleasure I introduce Dr. Pyle. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Ken Pyle, and I am coming to you from Orlando, Florida. So I am going to say good afternoon. I'm not too sure what it is where you guys are, but it is afternoon here. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to <clears throat> excuse me. Take a minute to introduce myself here. Uh, I am on Align Tech faculty, and my status with uh, Invisalign is that I am a uh, Platinum Plus uh, provider. Um, I have been doing Invisalign for over 15 years. Uh, actually, I joined uh, Invisalign as a GP uh, not too long after they opened it up to GPs. Invisalign was originally uh, only uh, orthodontics, orthodontist, I mean. And uh, when they opened it up, I got on board. So I've been with them uh, almost day one as far as a GP goes. Um, I've done well over 1,600 cases with Invisalign, but I've also done uh, in ClearCorrect, uh, OrthoClear. I've done a lot of uh, the SX uh, MTM movement with uh, Aligner, so I'm, I'm very versed in, in the uh, ability and uh, results with clear aligners, although I do focus almost entirely on uh, Invisalign at this point in time. So right now, I, uh, my pace is approximately 200 cases a year, and that's um, that, that's kind of amazing. I, I think to me because I am a single provider. I am not in a group. Uh, I don't have a bunch of other doctors feeding to me, um, and I am not part of a DSO or any corporation. I'm all by myself, and I'm in a very modest building uh, in the south part of Orlando. I'm not in uh, the Beverly Hills or Manhattan part of town. I'm in a very blue-collar part of town. Uh, businesses around me tend to be more the buy-here-pay-here auto lots and uh, cash-your-paycheck-before-Friday kind of places. So I'm certainly not in a um, uh, thriving, uh, uh, yuppie neighborhood. So my point is, is if I can work in this modest building with uh, four operatories and two hygiene rooms, by myself, I, by the way, I only work four days a week, and I basically do one Invisalign case every day. So my point is you can do it. You don't need to be in a affluent area. You don't need to have other doctors feeding to you. You need to just be committed to educating the patients to the benefit of alignment. And your whole team has to be on that same page so that um, you can uh, educate them and provide those services to them. So th I want to show you a case here. This is a stereotypical uh, patient coming in. Realize in our country, 75% of adults have malaligned teeth. 75% of our adults look something like this. So you can look at this and see what uh, 
alignment issues there are, and we need to present these to the patient. These, these patients come in all different flavors, but my point is there are so many of them. The majority of your patients look like this. The majority of your patients look like this. So we have to, to be able to explain to them what the benefits of alignment are. Now, I don't want to start off by saying, gee, Mrs. Jones, have you thought about Invisalign? Well, that would be the same as me saying, gee, Mrs. Jones, uh, how, how would you like to have a root canal today? That's not the way to do it. The way I present my dentistry, and which includes alignment, is we use the PCS model. In other words, uh, problem, consequences, solution. So we start off by identifying the problem. And in this particular case that's on the screen, I'm going to be talking about the ravages of the malocclusion. Look what's happening to these teeth. We're chipping them. We're banging them. We're inflaming the gums. Now, if you have more than three millimeters of crowding, you now have inflammation. So on top of the tooth issues, we have gum issues and we have health issues. These are all the problems that we need to sum up and tell Mrs. Jones, okay, Mrs. Jones, here's the problem I see. And I am concerned, and I like that word, and I'm going to repeat it. I say to the patient, I am concerned because, now here comes the consequences, if we don't alleviate this problem, we're going to wind up with the teeth chipping more, with increased periodontal problems, uh, with increased uh, crowding. It will get worse. Then I identify the solution, and hopefully Mrs. Jones will interject here in the meantime, well, gee, Doc, what should I do? Well, the solution is very easy. We just align the teeth. We're going to get them aligned and put them back into where they're supposed to be so that we reduce this problem of chipping and the, uh, the inflammation. And now she may respond, oh, you're going to do braces. Oh, no, of course not. We are in the 21st century, so we're going to use uh, Invisalign. Now, I usually don't sell Invisalign. I don't talk about Invisalign. I talk about the benefits of alignment. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, a product salesman. So we, we have to identify the crowding and drifting that equals inflammation. So this is... Part of our job as a doctor is to educate the patient on the problem at hand. Now, you wouldn't skip over crowding and drifting any more than you would skip over the carious lesion you see on the bite wing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't skip over the importance of crowding and drifting and inflammation any more than you would the, when you see an abscess on an x-ray. These are things that you have got to explain to the patient. You also will, will explain to them their periodontal health and explain to them what a five millimeter bleeding pocket means. These are all things that as a doctor, you have to explain to the patient. Problem, consequence, solution. So the, the the, the, the main reason that we want to be able to present and do the Invisalign and do the alignment is to correct this very problem. Now, also, there's another big benefit to doing alignment to me, and that is Invisalign is more profitable for me financially than any other treatment I provide. And I think that's pretty amazing. And let me repeat that. Invisalign is more profitable to me than any other treatment I provide. So that's a, another good reason uh, to be incorporating it into your practice. Now, thirdly, 
is the intangible rewards. And I'm going to, I'm going to address that here in just a second. In other words, the rewards that I can't necessarily put into my uh, pocket, the rewards that don't necessarily show up in my paycheck. So with alignment, I can go from here to here. And look what I've done for this patient. I've improved the aesthetics, obviously. I've improved the function. I've lined up the teeth. I've reduced the gingival inflammation. And notice how even the posterior teeth are more straight up and down now so that they're going to function better. These are all the things that I've done for the patient. Now, the patient may only be looking at the aesthetics. That's fine. I'm going to be looking at function and health also. So here we go with this other one. We go from here to here. This is a very simple case. Now, when I say that, that these cases or that Invisalign is profitable to me, it's cases like this that are slam dunks. These are so easy to do and very rewarding, both financially and um, emotionally, because you, you can do such a nice job for your patient. So you see these people in your chair all the time, and this is what we can, what we can accomplish. So here, we go from, from here to here. Now, I want you to notice that I've also gone in and done a manicure on these teeth and, and smoothed up these chips that they've done. And now they look better, but also they're less likely to chip in the future. So these are, these are the cases that you can do, and there are so many of them that come into your practice. So I can go from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen with these patients so easily, and I'm providing such a great service to them. And again, these people are everywhere. And again, 75% of your patients are going to uh, have some type of, of drifting and crowding or malocclusion that needs to be addressed. That's a lot of people. So the opportunity is there. So I want to talk about me doing dentistry. I I really like going to work Monday morning. I think that's really uh, an important thing to know because how many people and how many careers at any point in their life say, I enjoy going to work Monday morning. And I really do. I look forward to it. And part of it is because I am a nerd watchmaker at heart. This is me working. Yeah, that's actually me working. You notice I have an electric handpiece in my hand. I only work with electrics because I, I like the precision and the uh, ease that they work with. And I've been, I've been doing CIRAC uh, for over 20 years now, uh, and I love that margin to be perfect. And I'm in there with my, my uh, Explorer rubbing up and down, and, man, I want that thing to just slide across that, con that uh, margin and not, not be discernible. That's me. I love doing this. And this is me doing. Now, by the way, I, I usually work under magnification. Um, they wanted me to take my loops off for this picture so that you could obviously see how good looking I am. But anyway, this is what I love doing. Uh, I, I really, really, really enjoy it. But now comes Invisalign. This is me doing Invisalign. Notice the difference. Notice the difference. Guess what? I'm standing up. I'm not hunched over the chair. I don't have a needle in my hand. The patient is not scared. The patient is not dreading the appointment. In fact, just the opposite. The patients are excited about the appointment. When do I get my first aligners? Oh, wow, oh, good, oh, God, you know. They are so excited. And again, you don't get this when you're doing uh, dentistry day in and day out. 
So this is one of the big benefits that I have that's the intangible reward, is that I get to do something that is absolutely not causing pain. It's something that patients look forward to. They want me to do it. It's it's a more of a, a desire than a need. And I love having this being a balance in my practice. So I can be my watchmaker nerd or I can be my stand-up uh, fun doctor. So let me give you uh, another example here. This is a, uh, a young boy, 14 years old. Um, he he was ashamed of his look. He, he wouldn't look it, he wouldn't look you straight in the eye. He would tip his head down, and when he would talk, he would put his hand over his face. Um, Fourteen years old. It 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 was heartbreaking to to see how self conscious he was of that. And if you notice, um, he got even with the teeth by not brushing them. So, what was I able to do for him? Let's look at this before and after. Here's the before, and here's the after. I'm not looking at the teeth after. I'm looking at him after. Look how excited he is. He's smiling. His head's up. He talks. He's a different person. This is part of the intangible reward that I'm talking about that you don't get in other parts of dentistry. And by the way, to, to just as a little heartwarming side note, this kid, 14 years old, got bought a thank you card and hand wrote it and gave it to me, sent it to me. A 14-year-old boy sends me a handwritten thank you note. Is that not wonderful? And I mean, I feel so good with what we were able to do for him. So this is part of the intangible part of doing Invisalign that I think is uh, really, really good. And let me show you another example. This girl comes to me. She had a wedding coming up, and she says, Doc, I, I need to get my smile fixed up for my wedding. Can you help? And I said, of course I can help. Fortunately, she gave me about 16 or 18 months, so I didn't have any trouble with the, the time frame. But I want you to look at this, and again, I'm saying, how many of this do you see in your office every day? And I am going to answer that question by saying most of the patients look like this. So you have, again, this opportunity, but this obligation to explain to them what happens with this problem. And it's not a problem. It's a multiple problem. By the way, look at that second molar back there tipped over on its side. And by the way, I did tip that up. Um, even though that was not part of what she requ requested. She was only worried about the social six. But, of course, I, I got everything done, and it's easy to do with Invisalign. Tipping that tooth up is, is no big deal. So, again, the point being, the opportunity is here. It is here. And, by the way, there's so many dental plans now that cover adult ortho that it, it really takes away a lot of the financial issue. So, again, let's, let's look at this before and after. We got her all done. Didn't take long. Gave her the mirror. She looked at it, and she goes, oh, God, Dr. Pyle, these are beautiful. I love what you did for me. Will you, can I take my picture with you and put it on Facebook? Well, of course. I said, sure. So here we are with her all done. There's her before, and here's the after. Um, and this one on Facebook. And, and you know what? How often do you finish a crown or a root canal and the patients say, can I put this on Facebook? You know, come on. Now, another, I'm going to give you a shocker here, by the way. It's not very often, believe it or not, that I get a 22-year-old girl wanting to hug me and take their picture with me. So I thought this was pretty amazing. But again, this is part of the intangible 
rewards of doing alignment uh, that you need to put into your, your, your thought process. So it's you're, you're fulfilling your, your need and your obligation as a doctor by correcting the health problems. You're making good money, and you're feeling good about it. What else can you ask for? Okay, now let's get to the, the subject at hand. Let's talk about uh, attachments. Um, attachments are, are uh, very interesting little creatures, and I, I, I like them a lot. I think they're really, really cool. So I want to get to, I want to explain every little thing about them. So we're going to talk about, before we talk about attachments per se, I want to talk about just plain old uh, tooth movement and um, what, how we do the tooth movement. Now, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that we can e even move teeth because if you push on your nose, you can't get it to move. If you tug on your ear, you can't get it to move. But with teeth, we can make them um, move. So if you have a, a tooth like this one here that we want to move, all we have to do is apply some pressure out here, and guess what? It's going to tip in. Now, tipping Tipping a tooth is very easy to do. Tipping a tooth is the most easy movement. And let me let me carry this out in, into something non-dentistry. If you go out in your yard and there's a fence post there and you uh, grab onto the top of that fence post and push it, it's not too hard to make it tip, okay? Same thing with the teeth. It doesn't take much to put some pressure on the top part of that tooth and tip it in. We can do this with brackets. We can do this with uh, Invisalign. We can do it with the uh, Essex suck-down uh, plastic. It's not hard to do, the tipping the tooth. But this is the basic, basic uh, tooth movement. Now, the problem is you get a case like this, and there's a lot more than tipping involved. We're going to be doing all kinds of different things. We're going to be doing rotation and extrusion and intrusion and torquing and every which thing. So now this is going to challenge our ability with um, clear aligners. We obviously can't just rely on tipping. Now, what was I able to do with this? Now, now, by the way, the cases that I'm showing you today are all my personal cases. These didn't come from somebody else. These are these are my uh, particular uh, cases. Now, here we are, the before, and here we are, the after. Now, do notice that, that uh, we did get that implant in back there, but look what we were able to do. Look how we were able to expand that arch, and look at the difference that we made in the uh, oral cavity volume. You know, you look at that first picture and you think, where the heck does tongue go? And now look, look at the uh, volume that we have. Plus, we have a, a much better occlusion. We have the teeth uh, interdigitated the way they should. And of course, we've made a, a major uh, cosmetic improvement. This is not hard. This is not hard. And this is really, it, it's fun, it's profitable, and it's what we need to do to correct health problems. But let me go back now. Let's go back to my fence post and basic tipping. I'm going to take a cup, okay? Now, if I want to tip that cup, okay, I'm going to push it, and I can tip it. Do you see how easy that is that I put a little bit of pressure up there, and I'm able to tip that cup a little bit? So. There we go. Do you see how that cup tips when I put the pressure on it? Now, what if I want to turn the cup? Okay, we saw how easy it is to tip it. What if I want to turn that cup? 
Okay, not so easy, is it? Look what happens. I just slide around on it. I'm not getting any movement at all. Let's do that again. Okay. So I'm not getting any movement out of the cup because I can't get a good grip on it. That's the problem. So if I simply put a handle on that cup, okay, all I'm doing is adding a handle. Now, let's see what happens when I try to turn it. Aha! Okay. Look how easy it is. That handle makes all the difference in the world. By simply having that handle on there, we're able to rotate that cup quite easily. Again, let's do that again. There we go. And the only thing we've added is a handle so that now I can grab onto it and turn it a lot better. Now, let me go to the next step. Watch this. We're going to turn the cup. We see how easy that is now that we have a handle on it. But look what I can do. I can lift it up, and I can set it down. So I can now move that cup up and down. I can tip the cup, and I can rotate it all because I had the handle put onto it. So, way back when, in Invisalign's development, we used these quote-unquote handles, and we called them buttons. So here's a button on the tooth, and all that is is a handle on the cup so that we can better move the tooth in the direction we want to. In other words, we can get a better grip on the tooth. So just think about this uh, button here as a handle on the cup. Now, they were very basic. They just came in a few geometric shapes. And let me close in on this for you a little bit. They just had uh, very basic geometric shapes, and you would put them on a tooth if you wanted a handle on your cup to be able to, to move it a little bit better. But that's all, there was, um, that's all there was to it. So these, these uh handles that we put on, we, we just called them buttons because that's all they were. They were just a, um, a handle on the cup. They were just a little bulge of plastic. And here you can see how we're able to use those uh, little buttons, those handles on the cup, to get movements that we probably couldn't get otherwise because it's going to be hard to extrude a tooth um, like it would be hard to, to turn that uh, cup like I showed you. So let's get on into attachments, and the, this is where we're going to deviate from just the buttons because we're going to be talking about optimized attachments, and I want to show you the difference. If you look at this attachment, this handle on this tooth, do you notice that it looks like a ski slope? It's kind of got a plane to it. So what that does is if you take pressure and put, you know what I'm doing, I'm sitting with my finger pointing to this, you can't see it, but just pretend you can see my finger. The arrow is pressure putting on that slope, okay? And the resultant movement is for the tooth to move down. Now the reason that it doesn't move back or toward the palate is because you've got a liner material back there. 
you also have a space down here at the incisal. So the only place that tooth can move is down. And you put that pressure on that ramp up there, that slope, and it results in what we call a moment that pushes the tooth down. And this is the beginning of optimized attachment. So we're not just having a handle on the cup. We're having something that's going to translate one force into a different reaction. So here's what we've got. Now, in this particular case, we've got that slope, that optimized attachment on the labial side of the tooth. But on the palatal side of the tooth, we have a little dimple of plastic to keep it from moving inward. In other words, we don't want the, the, uh, the right side of that tooth to tip in any further. So we've got a little um, uh, dimple there to kind of push it out a little bit. Now, let me show you that. And this is the kind of movement you get by using these attachments to be able to move the teeth. So this is the next evolution in going from no attachments, no handles, to the basic cup handles, to these optimized uh, attachments. So let me, let me play a little video here that's going to show you this. And pay attention now. I really like, if you look at this cuspid and you see the two attachments that are on there, watch carefully what they do. This is really amazing. With Invisalign G4, new optimized root control attachments provide greater mesial distal root tip control. Forces applied to the active surface of the two buccal attachments create a moment that is favorable for root movement. This feature is available for upper and lower canines and upper central incisors and is applicable for space closure, mesial distal root uprighting, and treatment of diastema. So I want to bring this one uh, photo out here. This is what I'm talking about, is the, the amazing ability of these attachments. Now, if you can look at this, this picture, and you can just even imagine, to take your fingers up to the screen and push, like, or, or act like you're pushing where those blue arrows are. And the one is going this way, the one is going that way, and the result is that that root actually swings over toward the left. And we call that movement uh, torquing. If, if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, you can call it torquing. Uh, if you forget that word, then you can just say moving the root, because we understand that too. So you're moving the root, you're tipping the root toward the, the distal, you're torquing the root toward the distal, simply by the engineering of these marvelous little uh, optimized attachments. And the engineers at Invisalign have spent a lot of effort to come up with these ideas that allow us to do that. And I think that's just outright amazing that by putting the plastic like that, we can actually uh, tip a tooth. Now, I can tell you this looks great in the video. I do this all the time. Uh, I'm, I torque a lot of teeth using these attachments and nothing else, and they work amazing. They do amazing job of moving the teeth. And I'm going to show you, too, where we actually can move the tooth bodily using those same attachments, which, again, take, think about your fence post. Think about trying to move the fence post through the ground like that. Think about trying to move the fence post underground, not tipping it at the top, moving it through the ground. You know, you hold on at the top, grab down at the bottom, and pull. But yet these uh, attachments do that.
Invisalign G4 introduces new optimized multi-plane movement features designed to improve control of upper laterals requiring extrusion along with rotation and or crown tip. The active surface of the optimized attachment is oriented to deliver extrusive forces while simultaneously rotating and or tipping the lateral. A pressure point on the lingual aspect of the aligner is positioned to apply a second force for control of the multiplane movement. Customized to the patient's tooth anatomy and the So these attachments, you know, you saw several in, the, in these videos, and I think that video that, that just played is amazing, uh, the way it shows how we combine these different attachment uh, features to be able to do these uh, tooth movements that are really kind of complex. Now, we have a whole uh, repertoire of different types of attachments. Now, you don't need to learn this, because I'm going to tell you in a minute uh, of where this, uh, how, how you know where the attachments go. But this is just showing you how specific these attachments are uh, on to the movements that they cause. Now, along with the attachments, we have other what we call smart force features. In other words, other features in the uh, aligner that are not, you, you can't call them buttons because, or I mean, I'm sorry, you can't call them attachments because that's not what they are. But other features, for example, the, um, the power ridges, and we have power ridges and we have bite ramps, and these are other features in the smart force um, repertoire of features that allow us to move these teeth in ways that are uh, pretty much unbelievable. So this is gonna talk to you about the, the uh, smart track. Achieving predictable tooth movement has always been a primary goal of orthodontics. Evolution in materials has opened up numerous possibilities in improving orthodontic treatment. When nickel titanium wire was introduced, it enabled doctors to achieve more predictable outcomes through the application of gentle and constant force. Invisalign now introduces SmartTrack aligner material, a new, highly elastic material that delivers gentle, more constant forces to improve control of tooth movement. Doctors treated more than a thousand patients with Invisalign aligners made with SmartTrack material. A study of patients treated with Invisalign using SmartTrack material showed significantly improved control of tooth movements, such as rotation and extrusion. Five months into treatment, the number of patients tracking to plan demonstrated a significant improvement, statistically significant at greater than 99.9% .9 confidence level. SmartTrack material delivers more constant force, returns more closely to the program shape, and improves aligner fit for better control of tooth movement. Standard aligner material loses energy over time in the oral environment due to temperature and moisture. Bench testing shows highly elastic SmartTrack material delivers gentle, more constant force over the two-week aligner wear period for improved tracking. When the aligner is stretched to fit over dentition, highly elastic SmartTrack material returns more closely to the programmed aligner shape to improve tracking to the ClinCheck treatment plan. This flexible material conforms more precisely to tooth morphology 
active surface of attachments, and interproximal spaces, providing improved control of tooth movement and finishing. In blue gel tests, white areas indicate contact, while blue areas indicate a gap. The SmartTrack material demonstrates superior thermoforming, particularly in interproximal and attachment areas. SmartTrack aligner material becomes the standard material for all new Invisalign treatments. Patients treated with Invisalign made with SmartTrack found that their aligners are more comfortable to wear and easier to insert and remove while having the same clarity and aesthetics as previous aligner material. Aligners made with SmartTrack significantly improved control of tooth movements and require no changes to your current clinical protocols. They are fully compatible with SmartForce features, clinical protocols, and auxiliaries, such as precision cuts and elastics. Invisalign aligners made with SmartTrack material represent the latest innovation to significantly improve control of tooth movements, helping you deliver the results you and your patients expect. For questions, Okay, so we've got. Okay, so we've got all these marvelous attachments that do all these things, and, and certain attachments work in certain ways on certain teeth, and that's all well and good. But how do I know where to put them? How do I know when to use them? How do I know where they go? And the answer is very, very simple. You don't need to know because. When you get your ClinCheck back and you see the attachments on there, your technicians are going to, from Invisalign are going to have all the appropriate attachments put on the appropriate teeth at the appropriate places and at the appropriate times. Sometimes an optimized attachment will uh, be placed at aligner 10 or aligner 15, not at aligner 1. So all this stuff is done for you, and it shows up on your uh, ClinCheck. There it is. Okay, so now you slide your little uh, bar across the bottom, and you can see exactly how the teeth move thanks to the optimized attachments. So you don't need to go in and say, I want this attachment here and this attachment there. It's done for you, and I, I like that a lot. I think that's really cool. I don't have to think about it. Now, on your um, ClinCheck, if you look over at the right-hand side uh, where the um, paperwork is over there, and you look at the tab that says Treatment, um, if you look at that, that gives you a schematic of where the attachments are. So um, all it does, those little blue dots, they're not telling you much about the attachment except where they are. Now, I print this out uh, so that every time my patient comes in, I've got that uh, in front of me, and then we can look and see um, are all the attachments where they're supposed to be. And it's a very quick reference to see if any of the attachments uh, are missing. So uh, that's what we use, and we check that each and every uh, visit. Okay, so now we know we've got all these great attachments. We've got our ClinCheck, so we've got uh, all the placements of where the attachments are supposed to go and when. How do we get them on? So that's the next topic is placing attachments. How do we place the attachments onto the teeth?
Attachments are a critical part of treating patients with the Invisalign system. Proper placement of attachments helps ensure that the tooth movements occur as shown in the ClinCheck treatment plan and is an essential step to achieve the patient outcomes you expect. Taking care to place attachments properly at the outset of treatment will minimize bond failure and helps to reduce unnecessary costs to both doctor and patient as a result of lost attachments. This video provides step-by-step -step instructions for placing attachments when using Invisalign aligners. Specific instruction on what to do if an attachment falls off during treatment is also included. The choice of attachment materials is an important consideration when treating patients with Invisalign. Like all dental procedures, an important first step is to inform the patient about the procedure. Take time to show the patient where and how attachments will be placed and delay any concerns they may have. Once you have taken the time to set expectations with the patient, the first step is to test fit the attachment template and the first aligner. Rinse the attachment template and try the template in the patient's mouth to check for fit. Do the same for the first aligner. If either the template or first aligner does not fit correctly, please contact Align's customer care. Please be sure to thoroughly dry the attachment template after testing for fit. Before getting started, please ensure that you have the following materials. Slow speed handpiece with contra angle, Profi cup, non-fluoride pumice, periodontal scaler, cheek retractors and or cotton rolls, dental composite spatula instrument, high speed suction tip, waxed dental floss, saliva ejector, dental explorer, mouth mirror, curing light, and a high-speed handpiece with carbide finishing burr. Generally, it is recommended that when placing attachments, you work in one arch of the patient's mouth at a time. If you have more than four attachments per quadrant, then you may decide to bond attachments one quadrant at a time. If bonding one quadrant at a time, do not cut the attachment template Instead, just fill one side of the attachment template with composite material. Careful cleaning of the teeth on which attachments will be placed is an essential step in the process. Clean the surface of the appropriate teeth using a periodontal scaler and non-fluoride pumice paste. Thoroughly rinse the teeth being careful to remove any material that may have collected within the interproximal spaces. Isolate the teeth with cheek retractors. Although cheek retractors are recommended, you may use cotton rolls if preferred. Thoroughly rinse and dry the selected teeth. Particular care should be taken at this point to ensure that the teeth remain dry and free of contamination from saliva or oil until after the attachments have been cured. When drying the teeth, Use a mouth mirror to ensure that no water or oil is being expelled from the syringe. Apply etchant material to the teeth on which the attachments will be placed. Be sure to etch slightly outside the attachment area to ensure no voids are present after the attachments are bonded. 
After allowing etchant to remain on the teeth for 5 to 10 seconds, thoroughly rinse the teeth for 20 to 30 seconds. Next, dry the teeth prior to moving to the next step. Prepare and place a thin layer of the bonding agent onto the etched part of the teeth using the applicator and leave undisturbed for 10 seconds. Next, air dry with maximum pressure for 5 seconds, taking care not to force the resin interproximally. Light cure each prepared tooth for 10 seconds. Using the composite dispenser, load a small amount of the composite onto a dental composite spatula. Pack the material firmly into the attachment template well using a dental composite spatula or other equivalent instrument. Care should be taken to ensure that the material is evenly distributed within the template well and ideally the material should be level or slightly above the top of the well. Immediately place the attachment template in the patient's mouth and seat firmly. Hold the template in place by applying steady firm pressure with your thumbs on the occlusal surface. Gentle pressure should also be applied to the labial surface, away from the attachments that are being bonded. The operator should be the one who seats and holds the template from start to finish. Disturbing the tray at this point in the process can cause movement resulting in bond failures. Light cure each prepared tooth for 20 seconds with the appropriate strength light source. Having complete, well-defined attachments is an essential part of achieving great clinical results. Excess material or flash can impact the fit of the Invisalign aligners and interfere with the effectiveness of the attachments. For this reason, care should be taken to remove excess composite and bonding material from around the attachments. Gently remove the attachment template from the patient's mouth. Using a dental explorer, check the attachment borders and surrounding tooth structure for any flash. With a periodontal scaler, scrape away any excess material, taking care not to alter the anatomy of the attachments. Next, use floss to check the interproximal areas and remove any excess material from these areas. If needed, a high-speed handpiece and a carbide finishing burr can be used to carefully remove any remaining traces of flash and to define the attachment borders. Be sure to inspect the attachments for any voids, cracks, or bubbles. Try the first Invisalign aligner in the patient's mouth to test for fit. Please note that when using the optimized attachments, the aligner shape in the area of the attachment is not the same shape as the attachment, and some space between the aligner and the attachment is normal. For all optimized attachments, there are two main surfaces, an active surface and non-active surfaces. The active surface of the aligner engages the active surface of the attachment to produce the force needed for tooth movement there should be no gap at the active surface. You may, however, notice a gap between the aligner and the attachment at the non-active surfaces, which provides intentional clearance to avoid unwanted forces.
once you get the attachments in place, um, make sure that you keep the templates. The templates are what we use to put the attachments uh, in place. And I want you to make sure that you keep those um, templates. Do not throw them away. You may need them later on. So hang on to those uh, templates. Now the next thing is that I want to show you, and of course the video didn't play, but uh, they use a, a mouth retractor to uh, isolate the teeth so that they can do uh, a nice job with the attachments. This is a different system that I use, and I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, this is, a, uh, obviously you see what it does. It, it's much more comfortable for the patient. It retracts the lips and helps you keep everything dry. We do place a uh, full arch, all the attachments in the same arch at the same time, and this helps you uh, do that. This particular product is called Optergate, and um, it is uh, made by um, uh, Ivoclar. So I, I highly recommend that um, for um, the um, retraction. So let's talk about materials and, and what do you use um, for your attachments. And I'm going to say that what you use for the, the uh, attachments is, is really your, your own choice. You've basically got two choices. You can use flowable or you can use composite. Now let me let me address those. Um, we personally, I, I use just the same uh, composite material I use for restoring teeth and um, that's what works best for us. I suggest that you, if you have flowable in your office, try it. See how you like it. Some doctors like the flowable better and some like uh, the composite better. I would not, what I would not do is get a special material just for your attachments. That that seems kind of redundant. It's one more thing you have to stock. The nice thing about using the composite material that you use for everything else is that it comes in a variety of shades so that you can have those teeth or uh, those uh, attachments match the tooth very closely. Um, so that's what that's what um, we use. So uh, again, use what you want. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Again, you, you do want to use a good quality material. Um, and uh, so play around with it and see what you like better. Now, oftentimes you're going to want to put an attachment onto a tooth that has a porcelain restoration, either a veneer or a uh, crown on it. Well, what do we do? Well, you know, we can bond to, to porcelain. Actually, we can bond to porcelain uh, quite well. And the way we do that is by using uh, an etching material, uh, which is a hydrofluoric acid that we etch the uh, porcelain and then we can bond to it. And this is the uh, porcelain etch that we use. Now I want to show you something here. Look closely at this thing. Look closely at this tube. What do you see? A skull and crossbones. Okay? You don't want to put this in the patient's mouth. If you read the package insert, which I have done, it tells you if you get even a speck of this stuff on your skin or uh, mucosa or whatever, it needs to be copiously rinsed, and they tell you about uh, emergency room techniques and all this kind of stuff. Bottom line, I don't want to put something that etches glass into a patient's mouth. So I, I just absolutely will not do that, and I caution you guys out there, too. Think twice before you put this in the patient's mouth. So what do you do? I mean, you, you need to get those that uh, porcelain on there. Here's what we do. We use air abrasion. So obviously this is a natural tooth, but we will air abrade. Uh, porcelain with an air abrasion system. Now, air abrasion does basically the same thing to the porcelain that the etching does. It does the same thing to enamel 
that the enamel etch does, but without the, the risk of using a caustic uh, chemical. So we would use the air abrasion. And then the monomer that we use for bonding, this is the particular brand that I like, um, and one of the things I like about it is it does have silane in it. So it is going to bond to the porcelain quite well after you've um, used the uh, air abrasion. So that's the technique I get or the technique that we use to, to bond attachments to porcelain. And yes, it works pretty well most of the time. Now also, uh, as, as another idea, and I have tried this and it works well too, is uh, Shofu, the company Shofu also has a um, porcelain uh, bonding kit that you can use. And that's, um, that's pretty handy too. Uh, I, I use this, but I also use the um, air abrasion. Even with the kit, I would still use air abrasion first. So let's talk now about uh, individual appointments. Okay, so the appointment or the patient comes in uh, to check their tracking and to get more aligners. And again, what you, one of the first things you're going to do is look at that uh, paperwork that I showed you and make sure all the attachments are in place. So assuming that they are, you go, you go on. But what if you have attachments that are not in place or that have come off. Well, let me explain something now. You cannot take an aligner. Let's say an attachment has come off the facial of, of number nine. You cannot take and put some composite material into that aligner and bond that onto the tooth. It will not work. And here's the reason why. Look at this picture. On the left, you see the attachment. On the right, you see the attachment inside um, the aligner. And the active surface of the attachment is where that blue arrow is pointing. So if you look at that surface where the blue arrow is pointing, now if you look over to where it is in the mouth, you notice that the aligner is only touching on that active surface. All the rest of the way around that attachment is open space. The reason being is the attachment has to have room to move while it's uh, having the pressure put against it. So in other words, if you just had that attachment the way it is, it doesn't have anywhere to move. So that's why you cannot just make a duplicate of the um, aligner to replace the attachment. It won't work. So you have to replace the attachment with the template, not with an aligner. If an attachment falls off during treatment, use the original attachment template and simply cut the corresponding tooth out of the template to recreate the missing attachment. Do not use an aligner to replace the attachment. The attachment template must be used. If you cannot find the original attachment template, call customer care to order a new attachment template for the patient's current aligner stage, free of charge. Remove any residual composite material if present. Now the new attachment can be applied. Prepare the teeth with a 35 to 40% phosphoric acid gel. Pre-etching is recommended when bonding to uncut enamel. 
open G-Bond bonding agent and mix the liquid with a brush applicator for five seconds. Carefully apply the bonding agent and leave undisturbed for 10 seconds. If needed, use a cotton roll to prevent excess bonding agent from flowing onto interproximal spaces or tissue. Air dry with maximum pressure for five seconds until a thin adhesive film layer is formed. Any undried residue will hinder bond strength. Light cure for 10 seconds to maximize bond strength. Load composite material into the attachment template and pack it with a dental tool until it is slightly overfilled. Seat and hold the attachment template down onto the teeth. Trace the perimeter of the attachment with the dental spatula while applying pressure to help force any excess flash away from the etched area for easier removal. Light cure the attachment for 20 seconds. When using this pressure tracing method, the flash can usually be flicked off with a scaler. However, in some cases you may need to use a carbide or diamond finishing burr to remove the flash, followed by polishing. Use a dental scaler to check for retention, cracks, chips, and bubbles. Okay, so remember, uh, we don't want to um, use the aligner uh, to try to make it as a template, and that video shows quite well how to do it. Now, also, um, don't forget, if you can't get that to work uh, by cutting the uh, template, you simply call uh, uh, Invisalign and tell them you need uh, a template, but you have to tell them uh, what aligner you're on. So you're, you have to need a template, you're on aligner 11 or you're on aligner 12 so that it will fit for you. Now, okay, we're all done, everything's in place. How do we get the attachments out of there? Okay, now, I'm showing you this because I don't want you to do it. I use a diamond to prep a tooth. A diamond cuts the tooth. So we don't wanna be using a diamond to remove the attachment because we're gonna remove tooth very easily with it. So please don't be using a diamond to be uh, trying to remove the um, attachment. Instead, I use a carbide, a fluted carbide burr. Now, the carbide burrs come from the dental supply uh, places in two varieties, a, a very fine, which means a whole lot of flutes, and a coarse, which means not, not so many flutes. The fine I use for contouring composites. The coarse I'll use to remove the attachment. And what I love about it is when you put the fluted um, burr to the tooth and it starts removing the composite, it makes a white powder. So it's very obvious to see when you're removing uh, a material. When you've gotten the material gone, you don't see any powder anymore. Now, you have to really lay into this to damage the tooth, which I like. It's very, very difficult to damage the tooth with this fluted burr, yet it's very efficient in removing the um, attachment. Now, once I've got it uh, cleaned up as best I can, I will go back with a, a 3M disc and go over it and make sure I haven't left any little uh, spicules. Now, understand that when you get these uh, composites down to a very, very thin uh, dimension, 
uh, and then they get moist. They blend into the tooth quite well. So you may not see them. This is why I go in with the disc, because, again, when you use the disc, when you're removing a composite, you'll get a white powder. But you don't want the patient to have rough spots in there. So I go back in with this disc uh, to kind of clean it up. Now, another disc that we use uh, is, again, this comes from uh, Shofu. It looks almost like a profi cup um, to uh, go in and remove the uh, last little bit of composite. Now, Shofu actually has an entire attachment removal kit, and we use that, by the way. Um, I don't allow my uh, team members to use the high speed, uh, but I will allow them to use this attachment um, removal kit because it's all done with uh, uh, low speed, and the the actual discs that do the work are these cute little things here, and they have different coarsenesses. So, in other words, the black is very coarse, and it'll do uh, a good bit of bulk reduction, and then you can go down to the smoother ones as they um, as you get the uh, material cleaned up. So, in in summary, Invisalign it works as well as it does, and does these unbelievable movements because of the material, the Smart Track material, the technology, which we call. Uh, smart stage technology, and the smart force features, namely the attachments. So the attachments wouldn't work if we didn't have a, an extremely good plastic. And so this all works together to help us move the teeth and move it as well as they do. And this is what allows you to take this patient and turn them into this patient. And we do this every day. We do this every single day. And when I say we, this is we. That's my team. These are the people put together, uh, and I will give all of my credit uh, for me being able to do as many Invisalign cases as I do. I give the credit to the team. Uh, they work very hard for me. They support me. And by the way, all that I'm talking to you about uh, inflammation and um, uh, occlusion issues, they're all well-versed on that so that they can talk to the patient every bit as well as I do. And you know what happens, doctor. You sit there and spend 10 minutes explaining the patient thoroughly with your pictures and your videos and all that and explain what the treatment is, problem, consequence, solution, and you get up and leave the room, what's the patient do? They look up to the assistant and say, what do you think? What should I do? Well, you don't want your assistant to go, I don't know. Instead, you want the assistant to pick up the ball and run with it and tell them to be able to answer the questions every bit as well as you, as you did. So my team is part of me. They're just an extension of me. By the way, another part of my team, we always have several team members in Invisalign because when we have um, a patient saying, well, I don't know if they're going to show or can I talk in them, well, you know, you've been talking to Susie here for 10 minutes and she's wearing them. So that's that's a, a big uh, a big plus is to have your team involved. Um, we take take good care of my team, and they take good care of me, and I'm very very grateful to have them. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I enjoy uh, going to work every day. So thank you very much. Um, I hope you enjoy. I hope you learned something from what I had to say. So we're going to open up to um, uh, questions and answers now. Yes, th thank you very much, Dr. Pyle. Our our first uh, 
Our first question is from Dr. Eversgird. He wanted to know in the first, first, very first case you showed, how long did that treatment take? <laughs> uh, I was afraid you were gonna ask that. Um, you know what? Let me go back and look at it because I, I, um, some of my cases were uh, long, but most of my cases are amazingly short. Um, give me one second here, and I'll. The very first case that I showed. Um, I'm going to guess that probably took six months. Now, I, w I want to come in here and say, I think in the one video they talked about 14-day uh, uh, changes. We change all of our adults on uh, seven days, uh, and we get really, really good results. And by the way, my teens, I, I rotate on five days. I get extremely good tracking on the teens uh, on five-day changes. Now, I will uh, change from my, my routine is seven days. I will go to 10 only if I have tracking issues and only if I feel that those tracking issues are because of movement and not because of compliance. So uh, if we're having, for example, extruding teeth that aren't uh, moving as, as well as I think they should, I may move the patient to 10 days. Okay. Um, the next question is for Dr. Bannon. How stable is the maxillary ex expansion? How stable is it? Mm -hmm. um, not too sure what what you mean by that. Um, anything that we do, you know, has to be supported by retention at the end. But um, when you're moving the teeth, when you're expanding, that one case that I showed early on where there was a, a tremendous amount of uh, expansion and uprighting, the, the bone follows the teeth. If you notice there, the, the actual maxilla was actually wider uh, when we were done than when we started. So we did not, uh, we did not push the teeth through the bone. We, we pushed the bone with the, the teeth. So as far as stability goes, uh, it's extremely stable, again, assuming that you, you uh, are in proper retention. And we use uh, Bivera. Uh, almost exclusively for our retention. Great. Um, Dr. Patel asks, uh, do you do any fixed work before or after Invisalign treatment? I think he's looking for when's the best time to do that, Dr. Kyle. Um, do any fixed work? Yeah, I, restoration uh, of, of... Oh, restoration. Um, I... I like to do, as a general rule, I like to do most of my restorative at the end of my Invisalign. Um, the exceptions to that would be, obviously, if you have uh, uh, teeth that just can't wait because of the caries, uh, you may want to go ahead and restore those ahead of time. Um, but I generally wait to the end because you you really don't know uh, what what is going to what the arch is going to look like, and it it can really really change. Again, in that one picture that I showed you, you see how dramatic the uh, arch change was, uh, the the difference between the beginning and the end. And so, uh, and again with the implant over there, what we did is we optimized that space, and right at the time that uh, we had that space to where we knew. Uh, it was going to be what the final was. That's when the oral surgeon came in. I do not do my own implants. The oral surgeon came in and put the implant in, 
and then we continued the Invisalign so that by the time we got done with the Invisalign, the implant had integrated and we were all ready to restore it. Now, I'll tell you another little trick that, that I love uh, along with Invisalign, and this happens partway through your Invisalign treatment, um, a patient uh, has a problem and they wind up needing uh, a root canal, which then means needing a crown. Well, if you try to do a crown uh, with a lab, you're going to wind up uh, with it not fitting the aligner when you're done. So I use the CIRAC, and this is beautiful because what we do is before we do the restoration, we simply take a, a digital photograph of it, put it into the CIRAC, and then the CIRAC machine will duplicate that tooth in the crown. So when we place the crown, the aligner fits perfectly. And again, this works great if you're doing when you're in the Vivera stage too. But as a general rule, I like to wait, leave my restorative to the end. Thank you. The next uh, question is from Dr. Huang. I've experienced difficulty with rotation of premolars. I've used chain elastics but still had trouble getting them to rotate. What other techniques could I use? Well, um, ro rotating uh, a bicuspid is not always easy, so we're, we've already got a challenge in front of us. Uh, yes, I use elastics um, with... Um, either uh, attached to uh, another attachment on a tooth or to a TAD, a temporary attachment device. Now, I will tell you what I do when I get a stubborn uh, rotation like that is uh, I use Propel. Uh, and uh, the Propel acceleration technique really loosens up these stubborn teeth. So I think the uh, if you're doing the elastic, um, then you just have to be persistent, um, or you could call it stubborn. Uh, and they they will rotate in time, but I do use the elastics. And again, sometimes I use uh, TADs, and sometimes I will just uh, use a slit on the aligner. But again, stubborn teeth. Um, the first thing I think of when I get a tooth that gets really stubborn is to use Propel. Okay, uh, <clears throat> and then we have from uh, Dr. Delarama. Are the lingual dimples for extrusion, extrusion of the laterals already put on by Invisalign, or we need to put them on ourselves? Can you say that? Can you start, say that again? I, I missed the first part of the question. Yeah. Are the lingual dimples for extrusion of the laterals already put on by Invisalign, or do we need to put them on, or it looks like request them ourselves? No, that's that's all automatic. Okay. Uh, let's see. How, oh, this is from Dr. Hughes. There's always one question like this, and I love it. Uh, Dr. Hughes, how do you figure a fee for each case? Do you base on case length, cost of aligners, or some other method? Well, there's always a fee uh, question. Yeah, I, I, I look at um, you know, and again, this is me. So I'm going to tell you how I do things, and then you're going to have to decide for yourself. Uh, if you look at a, uh, an easy case, let, let's say 15 aligners, uh, versus a moderate case, uh, let's say uh, 35 aligners, uh, I look at that and I say, what's the difference to me? And the answer is, is one or two office visits. Um, and those office visits, I usually don't participate in the first place. I, I don't uh, participate in most of the um, uh, routine uh, aligner change uh, thing. So the difference between a 15 case or 15 aligner case and a 35 aligner case to me is is probably 10 or 15 minutes of my time. So 
my answer is I, I really don't need much extra fee. Um, my fees are lower than anybody else anyway because, uh, you know, at my volume, I pay less for the, uh, the cases than you would if you're paying for retail. And secondly, because we're so darn deficient, uh, I spend an average of 45 minutes uh, per patient of my time, and, and, and I'm reducing that. Um, so I don't, um, I don't change the fee of the, uh, very much depending on the difficulty. Uh, and what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the overall. We, we pretty much have uh, a, a, a basic fee, and then we have a moderate fee, and we have an advanced fee. And the, the difference is more whether it includes the Propel or not, whether it includes the manicure or not. And then we just sort of average it out because I figure the, the uh, you know, we got a lot of cases that are 10, 15, uh, 20 aligners. Those are, those are slam dunks. So I'm almost embarrassed to charge the fee that I do. Well, that kind of makes up for the case that, that you had to do three refinements on. That's the way I look at it. And I will tell you, I've been doing this a long time, and I make a ton of money on Invisalign. So uh, it works. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> that was a good answer. All right. Um, I had a really good question from a doctor. Either. can you give us an example of what your communication or treatment plan to Invisalign would look like? The, the, the communication with the patient or the actual no, this would, treatment plan? The treatment plan to Costa Rica. What do you tell them? Oh, okay. Uh, okay, now again, um, you know, you if you listen to different lectures, you're, you're going to hear different stories, but I'm going to tell you what the way I do it, and I'll tell you why, so you can um, go from there. I don't tell Costa Rica much, um, and the reason being is, I, as I look at uh, I, I look at my Invisalign case, pretty much the same as I do doing a full denture, and that is when I send. Well, let me back up. I don't do dentures anymore, but when I did, um, you send the case off, and you ask, you request teeth set and wax, which is. Uh, the digital version of teeth set and wax is your ClinCheck. I do not specify a whole lot, you know, uh, unless the patient has something very specific. For example, if the patient says, I want all my uh, anterior uh, or my uh, maxillary incisors to be the same length, okay, I might specify that. But for the most part, my attitude is, show me what you got. So I send it in with very little directions, except things like, uh, you know, the patient wants all the um, – uh, incisors the same length, or number 14 is an implant, or you know three through five is a bridge. Those things we do. So what I'm looking for is I, I want to give the uh, technicians in Costa Rica a free hand to show me what they think is the best idea. Then I review it, and then's when we go back and forth. And I'll, and sometimes they, um, you know, everything goes beautifully. Sometimes I have questions. But remember something. These technicians are extremely well-trained. I've been to Costa Rica a couple times. I've met with them. They're extremely well-trained. And secondly, this is all they do. This is all they do. And thirdly, they do not necessarily work as an individual. They work in a uh, kind of a pod, kind of in a semicircle of, of uh, tables, so that if a technician gets a case and he has a question, gee, I don't know uh, what, what we can do here, he's got the guy next to him that, that he can ask. So they, they kind of do as a, as a teamwork. <clears throat> so I don't want to uh, hand-tie that at all. 
So that's why I usually just say with the attitude, show me what you got. Let me see it. Now I'll come back and see what you've got. Now I'll come back and say, well, um, you know, I, I really want to torque this a little bit more or change that or whatever. So that's my approach. Okay, I, I like this question because it happened to me as a patient. <laughs> what do you do if the patient says, my bite is off after treatment is completed? This is from Dr. Popescu. Well, um, that, that's a big question. Um, I, I used to have that question come up way too often, and uh, so it became a mission to, to solve it. Um, first thing I do is during the consultation, you need to explain to the patients all the eventualities that might come out. So we always tell them that no matter how you move your teeth, whether it's with uh, brackets or whether it's, whether it's with clear aligners, there's a real good chance you're going to have to adjust the bite when you're done. So we have them pre-planning for that. The other thing would be to come at the end and say, oh, by the way, I, I have to adjust your bite. Well, then the patient is going to think, oh, well, you, you, you couldn't you couldn't do it right with the aligners or you screwed it up with the aligners. Now you have to come in and grind on my teeth. No, I'm telling you ahead of time, we almost always have to do some adjustment. So, um, so I'm already have them prepared to go in and do uh, some minor adjustment at the end. Now the most common uh, problem I had was they close their teeth together and they have uh, the dreaded posterior open bite. So I went on a mission to get rid of that. And the first thing I wanted to do is figure out why is it there. And it boiled down to very simply is I was not allowing enough uh, overjet on the um, clincheck. So in other words, the distance between the maxillary, uh, the, the palatal of the maxillary incisors and the incisal edge of the mandibular incisals, there was not enough of a gap there. So I now actually, in my clinical preferences, I have in there, please allow 1.5 millimeters open. So I always make sure in my ClinCheck that I have tons of room uh, up there because more often than not, your finished product, your finished occlusion is going to have a tighter occlusion in that maxillary area than what you predicted. So if you give yourself some, some leeway by trying to leave it open a little bit during the ClinCheck phase, then you have much less chance of having the posterior open bite. And I'll tell you what, it, it's working beautifully. Secondly, let's say you get there and you, you notice that it is a, uh, the posterior open bite is caused by uh, anterior hyperocclusion. Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, one is if you go in and do just a little bit of IPR across the bottom and then use your first C-chain to tighten those back up, you will, you will recline those teeth enough to get them out of that heavy occlusion. And then you have the occlusal adjustment uh, by itself. But I will tell you, by pre-planning and trying to make sure that you have that, uh, that good space in there beforehand dramatically reduces the incidence of, of the occlusion being off. Now, let's go to the extreme, and I have had this happen where, you know, we just didn't get it right, and, well, then, then we're looking at refinement. I do not want to turn my patients loose without a good bite. Okay. Next question. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pyle. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dr. Ho writes, what do you do if the patient had a compliance issue? Do you charge extra? Do you terminate treatment? How do you handle that? That's difficult. Um, 
I had a discussion with another faculty member um, about that very issue, and his position was um, that you uh, you confront it and you tell them, I know you're not wearing them, and et cetera, and uh, charge them an, uh, an extra fee. That was his position. My position is um, I really don't want to get into that argument. Um, it, it's I can't come to the patient and say, look, I know you're not wearing them because I don't know they're not wearing them. I may think they're not wearing them. So what I will do is I will come back and instead I will say, and, and this is, again, what I'm uh, suspicious of compliance, um, I will come back and say, gee, Mrs. Jones, your teeth are being very stubborn. So what we're going to do is we're going to back up, and you're on a liner 10 now, so we're going to go back to a liner 8. Now, by the way, parenthetically here, we ask our patients to bring all of their aligners to every visit. So if we have a tracking issue, then we'll simply go back and say, okay, well, 8 fit pretty good. So, Mrs. Jones, we're going to move you back to number 8 because those teeth are being very stubborn, and then we're going to move you forward, but we're going to uh, wear, have you wear the aligners uh, for 10 days instead of 7. Now, she knows that she wasn't wearing the darn, okay? And so she knows she um, she's paying the price now because we're backing up, and now we're going to go every 10 days. Um, and I, I just don't want to get into a, a situation where I'm saying, I know you're not wearing them, and you say, yes, I am, and back and forth. So that's that's how I uh, how I handle it. Um, and, I, again, I, I just uh, I, I don't want to be in that situation. Now, with the teens, we were a little bit more aggressive about it. But we, we've only had, in all of the teens I've done, I've had one compliance issue. And uh, we had a little talk with um, daughter, father, and me, and that was the end of that issue. That got fixed real quick. Um, so that's that's the way I handle it. Now I will tell you that what I've started doing, uh, and I, I I just started doing it, so I can't tell you how it's working. I am now asking for um, compliance indicators on my all of my cases. I want to see how that works, uh, and my my thinking is that we're going to tell them there's a compliance indicator on it, and to kind of make them uh, alert that we, we know what's going on, we know whether they're wearing them or not. So that's that's my approach. But again, there are doctors that are very aggressive about it and, and charge them extra. I'm not one of them. Another question came in. Um, how do you can you briefly review how to rebond one or two attachments if they fall off during treatment? Okay. Um, the, the actual technique is is going to be the same as is the original placement. Uh, so I would go in and you start off by making sure that the surface of the tooth is nice and clean. So uh, that would be using a uh, profi cup with non-fluoride uh, pumice, make sure it's nice and clean. And then you would etch with whatever uh, enamel etching material you're using. And then um, rinse that real well. And then apply your monomer. And again, I use the uh, 3M Universal because uh, I get the best results with that, and I've played around with a bunch of them. Um, dry that off and cure it. Then you're going to take your template. Now, you have to use the template. You cannot use an aligner. You have to use the template. So you're going to go back and take your original template and take a pair of scissors and cut out that one tooth and put it in uh, and use that if you can. They usually will fit in there well enough that you can get it in. If that doesn't work or if you have multiple, let's say you had two or three attachments come off, then you're going to have to call Invisalign and tell them, okay, I have attachments off of tooth number six and seven. Uh, I'm on a liner 10. 
and you send me a new template, then they will send you a template that fits stage seven. Okay, and they they get those to you very quickly. It's a matter of days, uh, and they will have it to you. So then again, you put your uh, material into the template uh, and uh, overfill just slightly, put it into place, cure, and then clean up the excess. I hope that answers the question. Okay. Uh, from Dr. Korsandian, uh, my patient requires two implants as two teeth require extraction and would like to start Invisalign. Can you please guide me as to how I should approach this case? Should I do Invisalign first, then implants, or vice versa? And I'm, my answer to that is, is uh, I'm going to hybrid. Um, I would start the Invisalign. Okay, so let's let's take this this scenario. Uh, we've got some teeth that have got to come out. I want to get started on the Invisalign because that's what's going to take the longest. So I'm going to get them started uh, on Invisalign. So once we get them into the Invisalign, or even before the first delivery. Uh, we can extract the teeth. Now, you're going to have, obviously, the Invisalign is now going to have a tooth in it where there's no tooth. Well, then you just fill that up with composites, so they have an automatic uh, ponting. So then, uh, as the, the space heals, um, it will get to the point when it's ready for the, uh, the implant. So most likely, um, the, the site will be ready for the implant before you're done with the uh, Invisalign. But by the same token, that space back there, you know, I'm using my fingers and hands as I'm talking here, and I realize nobody can see me. Um, the space for that implant should be optimized uh, within, say, three to six months of starting. So now you, you know exactly where that implant is going to go so you can place it even while you're moving uh, the rest of the teeth around you. But you don't want to place that implant until you're sure that the teeth on either side are pretty much where they're going to be. And then you finish out. And then when you're all done, now you do uh, the restoration, and then you do your Vivera over top. Now, let me throw in, because uh, I, I do this a lot, by the way. Um, let's say that doesn't quite work out for you. Well, no problem. Uh, you extract the teeth, and for whatever reason, um, you 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 want the uh, aligner to to um, uh, represent the new uh, dentition which has teeth missing. Do uh, rescan. Do do a new set of aligners. You can you okay. can get as many extra aligners uh, as you want with a comprehensive case. No, oh, yeah, right? a comprehensive case. Yes, yes, yes. I do. By yes. the way, I do all uh, of my cases uh, comprehensive. Except and why do you do that, Dr. Pyle? The reason I do that is because I've learned over my experience that I have I have had literally one case in my however many hundreds that was less than 10 aligners. So um, that means I would have had one case that would have been an express. So now I'm uh, I'm facing either having the um, the uh, Invisalign Light or the Invisalign Comprehensive. So I'm going to start off with the Comprehensive. Then if I if it comes back and let's say it's 12 aligners, very easy to switch it over. Uh, you just tell them, okay, I changed my mind. I want uh, the Invisalign Light instead. Um, and then we go from there. But you're going to find, in, in my experience, it's very rare that a, a case fits that. Most of my cases are are in the mid to uh, mid teens to uh, maybe 30. Those are most of my cases. Okay. 
Uh, Dr. Passoff wants to know what your experience is with lingual attachments. He's yet to encounter a ClinCheck, which, which includes lingual attachments. Lingual attachments? I, quite frankly, have never seen a lingual attachment on a ClinCheck. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to think where, I, where it would be appropriate. Um, and I, the only thing I can think of is maybe if you had a, uh, let's say, for example, a, a mandibular uh, bicuspid tipped in and you want to put an attachment on the uh, lingual side of it so that you can put an elastic on it. But I've, I've never seen a lingual attachment on a clip check. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's another question. There's a two-part question, really, uh, from two different doctors. One doctor... Uh, is not familiar with Propel, wants to know what it is. Uh, and then the other doctor asks, with Propel, do you modify the frequency at which the patient switches aligners when you use Propel? Okay, I'm going to answer the second part first because it's easier. <laughs> and the answer is yes, I do modify. I, I go to four days. Um, so when we Propel, we do four days. Um, Propel uh, you know, by the way, I, I lecture for Propel, so, uh, you know, I can sit here and talk for two hours about it. Um, in a nutshell, we're doing uh, micro-osteoperforations, which is basically uh, acupuncture on steroids, uh, between the roots of the teeth. Um, and what it does is it, it, it uh, dramatically inflames the bone. And the inflamed bone um, uh, just basically, in a nutshell, increases the, the physiology of the um, the move of the activity in the bone up there, so that your uh, osteoblasts and your osteoclasts are working a lot faster, uh, and therefore uh, it acts as if uh, the bone is softer. The teeth just move like crazy uh, through it. So that's super simple uh, nutshell. I do it a lot. Um, and actually, uh, the, uh, a lot of doctors charge for it, which we used to. I don't anymore. And the reason I don't is because it gets the patient out of, out of treatment a lot quicker. Um, and we have far fewer refinements. So I feel like it's worth the time and money. It, uh, it costs about 100 bucks for the tip to do the Propel. Um, if, you, uh, if you want to contact me, I can give you information. You know, I, I can send you my whole presentation on it. Uh, or you can go to, uh, I think it's called PropelOrtho.com and uh, go that way. But I highly recommend uh, Propel. It, it's, um, it is amazing uh, what it does, and it really does work. This question is uh, doc from Dr. Boyle. Uh, do you do IPR at the first visit, or do you delay? Uh, I do my IPR as indicated, um, because on your... Um, the printout that you get there in the, in the treatment thing, uh, it'll show you IPR and it'll say, for example, uh, 0 .3, uh, 0.3 millimeters before the tenth aligner uh, or, or whatever. So I pretty much do it at that point. Um, so if, and we usually give, give out 10 aligners at a time, 10 to 12 aligners at a time. So my team will look at it and say, okay, they, they, ClinCheck uh, um, is, is requesting IPR uh, before aligner 12. So let's give them 10 aligners, and then we'll do the IPR when they come in to pick up the second set, the 11 through 20. We'll do it then. 
if, however, the uh, IPR is requested uh, before uh, liner one, well, then obviously I do that at the beginning. So I do it as we go. Now, wh while we're talking about IPR, I tend to be conservative on the IPR. So uh, if, if it's asking for, uh, let's say, 0.4, uh, I will do um, a heavy 0.3. Uh, so I tend to be a little bit shy on it, with the idea being I can always go do more. Um, and I'm not a big IPR fan. I, I uh, try to get as much expansion uh, as I can, or I'm, uh, as much arch length as I can through expansion and upwriting. Um, I will do the IPR, uh, especially if I have uh, potential for black triangles, or if I have, and you see this a lot on lower anteriors, you see the teeth look like martini glasses. So, you know, they're begging to have the IPR in there just for aesthetic uh, reasons. But I, I, I tend to be real light on my uh, IPR. But again, I do it pretty much as requested. Okay. Um, another question. Uh, when doing, from Dr. Lee, when doing refinements, are you normally repositioning attachments or do you just keep the ones that are already there? Okay, that's, that's a, uh, a good question. and, and easy for me to answer. Um, we, when we do a refinement, we remove all of the attachments and uh, scan and start over. Um, and almost always, the only time we don't do that is if I'm not available uh, and we don't have time to remove the attachments, but then we do it virtually. We, we give the instructions to Invisalign, please remove attachments virtually, which they will do, and then that, which means we now have to remove them when we when we deliver the first uh, aligner in the uh, refinement case, and at that point now we start over and do the new attachments. So I do remove them all, yes. This is from Dr. Corsandian. Why do you prefer Vivera retainers? Why do I pre prefer Vivera retainers? Well, um, a bunch of reasons. Um, one, they, they really work well. Um, and I use my uh, business manager as an example. He was one of my first Invisalign cases back, I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever. And he's been in uh, Vivera uh, to this day, ever since we've had him. And, and in the beginning, he was just using the um, Invisalign retainers which weren't quite as good, but his teeth are perfect. And he says uh, that he wears them most nights. So that's, uh, I know that's anecdotal, but it, it, it does show that they work. I like um, Vivera over uh, bonded retainers uh, because of the periodontal issues. Uh, we don't have uh, the obvious periodontal issues. Uh, number two, a bonded retainer, if you're using a lingual bar, is retaining six teeth. Uh, the Vivera is re retaining all of them. Um, the only now I will tell you if a patient says to me, "Well, don't you think I should have a a bonded retainer?" Well, my answer is yes, because if I say no, if they ask for a bonded retainer and I say no, and then they don't wear the uh, Vivera and the teeth drift, now it's all my fault because. Uh, they said they wanted the bonded retainer. So if they ask for it, I do it. Now realize you can do a bonded retainer and Vivera. Uh, you can get your Vivera. Uh, you, you, you simply scan uh, for Vivera after you've placed your, your lingual bar in, and now you have the best of both worlds. Uh, 
they they work well. And I'll tell you what, the Viveras last a long, long time. I'm going to guess probably a year or so per per retainer, and you're getting a set of four of them. That okay, great. We, are, yeah, I think so. Uh, we have time for two more questions, and the first one is from uh, Dr. Feldman. How often do you see the patients for follow-up? And how many aligners do you give the patient till the next visit? Okay, as a general rule, um, we give 10 to 12 aligners uh, at a pop. Um, if we've done Propel, we'll go uh, definitely at the 12 and maybe even 15. Um, we also look at the uh, total treatment. So, for example, if they have 24 aligners, then we'll, we'll go uh, 12 and 12. If they've got 20 aligners, we'll do 10 and 10. Um, so that's that's uh, how often we see them. Now, follow-up, I, I don't know if they mean after we're in retention. We don't have a protocol for that. Um, most of my patients uh, stick, you know, are, are my own patients, so they're going to be seeing me for, um, uh, you know, routine care afterwards. But that's my answer on that. Uh, again, Patients don't want to come into the office, and uh, and I don't particularly want to see them. So we used to do when I first started. We were doing every five aligners. So we're up at ten and ten to twelve now. So. All right. And then uh, the final question for today is from Dr. Heiser. How do you gain enough confidence to get where you are? What classes, training, etc., did you take for you and your staff to get you uh, to be so successful with? Invisalign treatment into practice. That's that's a really good question, and um, I, I will say there's two two basic answers to it. One is, um, of course, I, I started, you know, back when when we were in the very first phase of uh, Invisalign, and the the plastic that we were using then um, was basically just Essex, um, I think, C plastic. Um, it's the same thing. Um, so we weren't getting the kind of movements that we can uh, get today. So I kind of grew with the the, um, the technology, but um, I'm very aggressive and I have uh, I feel like I can do most anything. So I'm the guy that uh, you know puts a crown on a tooth when I'm down at the bone level when somebody else may say extract it. Of course, with the patient fully informed. So I'm I'm a uh, I have a lot of faith in myself that I can do these things. So that's part of it. And the other thing was, is I, I, um, I took every single class that I possibly could. If you go into your doctor's uh, website and you go up uh, to the academy, there is so much information there, uh, and you could go through those um, those different classes, and you can pretty much learn all you need to know uh, up there. Uh, then uh, Invisalign has a lot of uh, uh, dinner meetings and lunch and learns and whatever, so we go to all of those. And I would encourage you to have your team go with you. And I don't mean just to the classes. I mean when, when you're doing the uh, online stuff, they can do that too. I want my team to know everything about dentistry that I know. Um, I'm the coach of the team. I'm, I don't have a big head about I'm the only one that can you know, decide whether there's decay there or not. Um, my my team is very very aware of of what's going on, and I like that. But again, they they do all the videos, they they watch all the videos, and so do I. Uh, so I would I would go with all that, and then you know um, 
I, I personally, I give out my email address. If you get started on a case and you have a problem, email me. I'll help you through it. I love doing it. I don't charge for it, by the way. There are uh, services that will uh, uh, hold your hand through the Invisalign, but they charge you. I don't. 